Hi, this is Pastor Brittany Isaac from Urban Village Church, Chicago. We are a church that is bold, inclusive, and relevant. I know that many of you out there are hungry for a gospel message of healing and wholeness, a message that leads to a life transformed by Christ. I hope that this podcast does just that. And if it does, would you please consider making a financial gift that will support this gospel-inclusive ministry? You can do that by going to urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks so much and have a blessed day. So y'all, I'm feeling a lot of joy today. Uh, The weather is awful outside, and yet as I look out at all of you, and I have been thinking back over the last five years, I am just feeling joy, joy. Uh, There have been so many people that have come through this community, and they came because they were lost, and this community helped to find them. This has been a place of rejoicing, And when we rejoice after finding people, we go out and search and find more people. It has been this community of open, porous boundaries to welcome more and more people. For five years, we have been a community of searching and finding and rejoicing with one another. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Guys, I got to tell you, this is an exciting day, and I'm going to need a lot of feedback. I'm just giving it to you at the beginning, so I don't have to keep stopping. Um, I know the weather's gloomy, but we are celebrating today. So in these two short verses of scripture, three actually, I I read that wrong, three short verses of scripture, we see this touching story of losing and searching and finding and rejoicing. It's actually um, the second of three stories in what we call a sort of pericope of scripture that, that does that same thing of losing and searching and finding and rejoicing. First, we see the lost sheep, right? Then we read what we read today, the lost coin. And finally, there's the story of the lost son, what a lot of you all know as the prodigal son. You know that story? In each of these stories, worth is placed on the object that has been lost, the sheep, the coin, and the son. They have economic worth, right? The sheep, you could sell the wool, get economic worth. the, the coin, it's, you use it, it's agency for attaining goods, and the son uh, would have been labor, a laborer in the field, right? So they have economic worth. But there's also this like, social and emotional worth that they have. Many of us has, have experienced the love of an animal, right? So that emotional connection to a sheep could have been there. Um, For those of us that are parents or have children in our lives, we know the love of a child and that vulnerable place that it means to care for a child. And finally, whether we like it or not, we have emotional investment with money. Anybody emotionally invested in their money? Yeah, right? So depending on your upbringing and your life experience, that investment or the way that you view money or the worth that you place on money might be one of four categories. There's power in money, there's security in money, there's love in money, or freedom in money. Do any of those sound familiar to y'all? So today, uh, we're going to do two things. We're celebrating UVC Andersonville, and we're diving in a little bit to what is the worth of money. Um, so you, might, you may have seen in your bulletin, I gave you all a little quiz. So I'm going to give you a minute or two to take this quiz about how you 
um, value money. This is part of our sermon series of, uh, called Worth. So what worth do you place in money? It's, it's pretty easy. It's multiple choice. If you don't have a pen, raise your hand and someone can bring one by. Um, but I just want to give you a few minutes to, to do this quiz. Did you all discover anything about yourself? If you're free, if you're um, not free, if you feel comfortable sharing, raise your hand if you primarily put your worth of money as a freedom, as something of freedom, if you relate to money that way, okay? Uh, raise your hand if you relate to it as a means of security, okay? Raise your hand if you relate to it primarily as a means of power, all right? And how about as a means of love? That's really interesting that most of us were security people. Interesting. Uh, huh, that's really interesting. I don't even know what to reflect on. <laughs> uh, y'all, there's not a good or a bad way that we relate to money. This is a tool that allows you to see what your motivation is, to see the value that you place in it and why you do that. This is, uh, how many of you uh, just to throw out real quick, if you are in a relationship with someone that you happen to be sitting next to, ended up with different scores. So like one of you was security and the other was love. Does it answer any money conflicts you might have had? Right? Because you're valuing different things. So there's not any wrong or right reason, but it's, it's, it allows us to have conversations with others. I am always a fan of quoting uh, Maya Angelou who says, you do the best you can until you know better and then you do better. And when you have information like this at hand, then um, it allows you to have better conversations. As I reflect on how we relate to money, I realize that we are actually here today celebrating five years of ministry on the north side of Chicago because people out of their own rejoicing have seen their money as instruments of power. They've seen their money as instruments of security and love and freedom. Because ministry, like so many things in life, takes money. And so people have given to the ministry of UVC over the last five years, and their motivation has been power. Right? They know that we at Urban Village Church um, and Urban Village Church Andersonville are a movement we are a movement in the worldwide church of, of holding the evangelical and inclusive identities together in many ways when, when people say they don't go together. And we are helping to reform the United Methodist Church and the greater church of Jesus Christ. And that is a powerful thing, right? So people have given to this community because they see the power um, difference that we are making. Isn't that exciting? Others have given to this place out of security, I, apparently 95% of you. <laughs> um, perhaps people have felt vulnerable or hurt by the church in the past, and they have found this place to be a place of safety, and they want to invest in that place so that it can be a place of safety for others. Does that sound familiar? Also, some people have invested in UVC because of love right? They love the people that are here. They have a deep love for Jesus. And so they invest in the relationship, investing financially. Does that sound familiar to anybody? And finally, freedom, right? Some people have given out of a sense of freedom. 
the worth of money means that they are free to do what they want, right? Like you, if you have a lot of money, you're free to do what you want. But these people that are giving out of a sense of freedom to UBC know that true freedom comes from a life in Christ, right? That that's a different kind of freedom. And so they give so that others can experience that freedom in Christ too. Does that sound familiar to anybody? As I reflect on the worth of money and the different reasons that people give, I have to say that regardless of motivation, and maybe it's all of them, maybe it's a little bit of all of them, right? I am so thankful for the many financial gifts that have come in over the last five years. Even before this place was a thing, people invested in the vision. They made a commitment to support this ministry. I am so thankful for that. So many people have invested in UVC so that we could live out the gospel to search and find and rejoice with the hundreds of lives that have been part of this community over five years. That's amazing. It's amazing. This week in preparation uh, for this birthday party, I have been thinking about all the stories that led up to this point. And there are lots of stories of searching and finding and rejoicing. For the past five years, this church has been the woman who scours the house to look for the lost coin. We have done so many things that put us out into the streets searching for people. Anybody ever do the flash mob caroling in December? Yeah, that's been one thing we've done. Uh, we have uh, chalked sidewalks. We, man, we used to, if you haven't been around us in the last two years, you don't know this, but we used to flyer like crazy. We had to stop when the city threatened that they would fine us for every flyer, like $50 for every flyer they would find. Um, but we used to flyer um, every square inch that we could find in the city, helping people know that we were present in this community, searching and finding and rejoicing over all of those who would come in. So I've been, uh, one of the things that I did this week to reflect is I went to my folder called Good Stuff. Anybody have a folder like this in their email inbox? Yeah. So uh, if you have ever written an email to me that, um, that was cheery and talking about the joy of what God is doing in your life because of the ministry of UVC, I've probably saved it in that folder. <laughs> And then, you know, what, I don't know why you guys have a good stuff folder, but I have it so that when I'm having a crappy day, I can go look at it and, and remember the good stuff, right? I can remember the vision that God has breathed into this community and the lives that have been changed because they've been found. So I want to share a couple of these um, just snippets of emails that I've received over the year. Uh, the first is from a woman that initially felt shame related to going to counseling. She said, the vulnerability modeled each week and nurtured with each sharing has made going to therapy feel so normal. And we've actually felt proud to talk about it in this community in the middle of a society that teaches shame around it. When you're with UVC for an extended period of time, you forget that this isn't normal and perhaps not recognized, um, and perhaps not recognize how all of these little changes are making such a big difference and all stemming from one bold source, God, moving through the faithful servant team at UVC. For five years, we have been a place of searching and finding and rejoicing so that this woman could let go of her shame over seeking counseling. 
Isn't that awesome? Y'all, isn't that awesome? Listen to this from someone, from a man who actually ultimately left UVC to pursue ordination in the Episcopal Church. He says, I want to reiterate how meaningful UVC has been to me. This community helped me to rediscover my sense of call and helps me to be unafraid to follow the path wherever it might lead. The Episcopal Church helped save my life a few years ago, but UVC helped me to say yes to God in a way I didn't think was possible a year ago. For five years, we have been placed of searching, finding, and rejoicing so that this man could say yes to God's calling. Isn't that awesome? And finally, this from someone who has been in and out and back into our community at various times over the last few years. He said, um, struggling with addiction. He says this, I'm learning to trust God's grace and not rely on myself. I definitely feel that I am in a place of transition in my life as I'm working the steps of AA and have recently discovered God as my higher power and today rediscovered Christ's love for me. I used to be part of a gay condemning church and am still holding the emotional wounds I've suffered as a result of the spiritual neglect and abuse. UVC is helping to integrate my identity as gay and Christian. For five years, we have been a place of searching finding and rejoicing so that this man could surrender to God's grace and work the steps of sobriety. Isn't that awesome? Because of the financial investment people have made in this community, each of these people have not only been affirmed in their identity, but they have found a safe space to begin growing in Christ. Because it's not just about being affirmed in your identity, it's about finding a safe space to be able to get rooted and be changed by the power of Jesus Christ. So I celebrate that, and then I say, what's next? I asked you all, what does it look like in five years? And so I want to tell you a couple of pieces that I envision, okay? And if, if you think it's awful, you can yell boo back, because at least then you would be, at least you would be saying something to me up here, y'all. But if you like it, you know, amen is good too. Y'all, I dream that we would find the worst rated school on the north side of Chicago and that we would be a movement of support and change for that school, that we would provide the children with school supplies and coats, that we would support the teachers with, I don't know, like breakfasts or encouraging notes or whatever the teachers need to feel supported. Maybe we'd even like paint a room or something in the school, whatever the school needed, right? But I dream that we would be the hands and feet of Christ offering care for a school and, um, and making a true difference in the CPS system. Amen. All right, that was the two teachers. I dream that we will continue to be a place that invites talented young leaders to reflect on their calls to ordain ministry and to church planting in particular. UVC Andersonville has had eight interns and church planting residents over the last five years. Uh, two of them have already gone on to plant a church. The six other are currently involved in creative fresh ministries um, or finishing their seminary degree. UVC Andersonville has currently five people that are in the process to pursue ordination, either in the United Methodist Church or the Episcopal Church. 
And there are several more currently discerning. Y'all, that is making a difference in the Church of Jesus Christ. Not just the United Methodist, not just UVC, not just the United Methodist Church, but we're talking about the big church. Isn't that exciting? Think what we can do over the long haul. It's amazing. I dream that we will continue to create communities. That's the first line of our mission statement, right? Create Jesus-loving, inclusive communities. I dream that we will continue to create communities. I'd love to see UVC Andersonville help launch another worshiping community of sorts. Maybe it doesn't look like this worship style. Maybe it's far more charismatic in worship. Maybe it's far more contemplative in worship. I don't know. It's what the community would discern, but that we would help launch another type of worship in the future because it will be a faithful call to God, a faithful response to God's call to grow wide. I think we're called to grow wide and deep, right? Speaking of deep, I dream that the conversations related to anti-racism continue to make tectonic changes in our DNA so that our community continues to truly be representative of the neighborhood that we live in and so that we're working to eradicate white supremacy in our church, in our city, and the world beyond. It's part of our baptismal call, y'all. Part of our baptismal call. And finally, I dream that we will continue to be a place where we are searching and finding and rejoicing for all of those who have been lost. Raise your hand if you've been lost at one point or another. Look around, y'all. The Big C Church has often been a place of boundary making and exclusion so that people can feel like they are in or out. Right? I dream that we will continue to have porous boundaries that allow God's grace to meet and transform all that are coming here. Right? All who are looking for a new life in Christ. Searching and finding and rejoicing. It is the heart of who we are. A couple of months ago, uh, my mom and Ruby and Monica went shopping in Target they were on a quest to find a new pair of shoes for Ruby's ever-growing feet. It's crazy, y'all. She was the center of attention as my mom would put a pair of shoes before her to try on, and then Monica would, and they would go back and forth. And then the strangest thing happened. One second she was there trying on shoes, the next second, my mom and Monica turned toward her with a new pair of shoes to try on, and she was nowhere in sight. As they look, looked around, panic began to grow within each of them. Target security was alerted. The, the entrance to Target was barricaded. This was big time, y'all. And what they call pod, code pink um, got sound uh, before the entire store that there was a four-year-old girl who was lost. After about five minutes of frantic searching, Ruby just casually wandered back into the shoe section. She was full of her usual joy and completely unaware <laughs> that anything had transpired. Apparently, she had been on an adventure. She was uh, following the red-colored tiles on the floor. <laughs> you know. As soon as she walked up, the stress and fear 
that Monica and my mom were carrying just melted away. And joy, joy flooded their senses. She was found, she was okay. They grabbed her and held her fiercely. Rejoice with me, for I have found what was lost, the old woman said. To search and to find and rejoice. We have been doing it for five years, y'all. To search and find and rejoice. God bless the next five years and beyond. Amen.